Welcome to SwitchCast. Welcome back to our ninth episode, I think. Yeah, but who's counting? I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars, GT Vault, and two-time overall Cannonball Run record holder. Yep, that's right. We're still the fastest people across the country. Each week, I will have a new guest co-host, some famous, some unknown, but all with a wealth of knowledge and experiences to share. We'll take your calls and questions as our goal is not an interview, but an interaction with you, the audience, as together we seek to be the co-pilot on the drive of your life. The number to call in is 216-294-4124, or you can post your questions in the comment flow wherever you are watching live. My guest tonight is Nate. Hello, hello. Nate, a good friend of mine who recently bought slash inherited one of my favorite Porsches (laughs) ever. Not necessarily that the 996 is my favorite, but yours is. Um, But Nate, before we talk about your second love, Tina, as she's been named, let's talk about you and your first love. Tell me about your family, your work life, and and who Nate is. Yeah, great. So I grew up outside of New York City, um, fourth of five kids. Uh, Growing up, cars were a, a big piece of my life. My my dad was uh, in the car business per se, but between cars coming in out of the driveway, cars in the yard, um, projects starting and stopping was a big part of growing up. Uh, got married. Uh, my wife and I, after college, lived in California for about 10 years, moved to Ohio in 2015. Why? Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> we kind of went the opposite way. California called uh, we had a good 10 year run there and I got a little early on the working remotely thing. And so, um, I was excited to raise a family in Ohio. We had two kids in California. We've had three more since we moved here. Um, so, uh, two at the same time, right? Two at the same time. Yeah. yeah well, which will fit a little bit into the story tonight <laughs> when we get into the details of some of the recent days of, of, uh, of this 996, but essentially, um, yeah, I live in the area. Got to know you and some of the folks here since we moved a couple years ago. Work in the investment business, not in the car investment business, but I can appreciate Good. Uh, what you're dealing with on a regular <laughs> the basis. Real investment. Yeah, business. I don't, I, I don't envy the challenges you're facing. We often, early in my career, I remember there were two no-nos with investing. One was art, and the other was automobiles. <laughs> Th- those were hobbies where you simply lost money. Unless you Hold on, can, can you say that again, please yeah. say that again for everybody from, from an asset allocation perspective, art and to some degree, airplanes were kind of put out of that because that had a little bit more of a practical need for folks that traveled a lot. And it's a, that's a, an obvious sure. pure luxury, but the perception, nobody expects exactly, a plane to be a good investment. The right? perception of it's like a horse, right? The perception of the car business and art is, Oh, I can, I can buy something cheap and sell it later. But, more often than not, it was typically a part of the balance sheet that was just a, a black hole. So, <laughs> so it wasn't really. Then um, yes. I remember viewing some of those collections from some of the folks in the Bay Area. I never got to uh, the Pebble Beach show, but it was a lot of those types of guys. Yeah. Where yeah. So you were you were the first person I met that was honest about how difficult the business was from just a car perspective. And so um, anyway, but living here, so still working in the investment business. But uh, the the hobby of my life has been automobiles. I've taken some some breaks, like a lot of people do in their twenties, when you start working and you realize how how much these things cost. And then in my thirties, which I'm just about to end, 
um, had a lot of kids, and now it's it's time to gear back up for hobby time. So this is Sweet. this is perfect timing for me in the phase of my life. Um, do people call you because they call me? Do they call you being in the investment business and say, "I have five hundred k to invest. What should I buy that's going to double in value?" Yeah, fortunately not. <laughs> I, I try and stay out of those conversations. Having lived in San Francisco from two thousand five to two thousand fifteen, the wealth created in that marketplace you'd think wow you can probably pick some winners i'm probably the worst predictor of <laughs> things that are going to be cool in the future um so i, I don't have a great track record of of picking winners so i'm, I'm a little bit more conservative by nature so uh, <laughs> that's all right. but yeah if it if it comes to doubling money in cars that's i'll leave that up to you which yeah is, i i haven't figured that out yet either <laughs> <laughs> uh all right so so that's nate uh, Nate's father-in-law actually is is joining us yeah, on the podcast. Hey, he's he's overseeing him to make sure he he says only things that are are true and uh, righteous and that's right. pure that's and, right. and all those things. Yeah. So yeah, and also like he's offering ten percent off of our t-shirts. So, <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about why everybody is here to listen, and that is patina. Yep. The 996. So uh, a little bit of, uh, well, I'll give the, the brief flyover on this car and then you can give more of the backstory. Great. But, you know, you, you can't see it. We don't have the technology to put this up on the screen. And for those of you listening via audio, you can't see it anyway. But if you go on my Instagram page, Switch Cars, you can see a bunch of pictures of this car. It's a fairly early production, 99996, guards red with a factory arrow kit and the uh, sport design wheels. And it is in a sorry in a world state of, yeah. of dilapidation, at least from the exterior. The paint, the clear coat is peeling off. The paint's even peeling mm -hmm. off. And it's a sight to behold. Yeah, there's a lot of good jokes, too, that people say things like it's seen better days. And boy, <laughs> it's, oh, cue the, 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 the bad one-liners. The cliche, one man. Yes, the cars. Man, it's it's uh yeah but there's a story there <laughs> sure sure yeah nobody asks you at the gas mileage like right what you right. do for a living because they don't want to no, know no um, half the people are appalled and half the people are maybe not half maybe overwhelmingly i would say appalling is the uh is the initial reaction to the i think uh, that's why ed liked it so much <laughs> and that's why i want it but i, I love the shock factor so anyway it, it is a it is a 996 in a sorry state but it has a lot of history probably more so at least within your family than any you know normal 911 would be that's in perfect condition and that's kind of why we all love it and especially why you love it and it is about to become even more famous because it's going to be on car trek season six airing uh the 20th so what's that monday i don't know I, yep five days up. from now so that's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, no, but Nate's none of us family, have seen it, so we don't know what's right. What's we don't know what's going to happen. So <laughs> Nate's family has owned it since new. So Nate, tell me, tell us, yep, about the origins of the car and how it came to be in your possession. Okay, great. So we're going to do a little '90s uh, car history here. So um, again, kind of grew up around the car business. My dad, you know corporate attorney in suburban New York City, the corporations in our area were, you know, dentist offices and car dealerships. And my dad had a really good client that 
represented, he essentially was buying franchises and essentially trying to make a bet on where the car business was going to go in the mid-80s into the 90s. And he had quite a fleet. He had Volvo, Mercedes, uh, Honda, uh, Volkswagen, and in 1986, he added he added Porsche. Mm-hmm. It was the last one he added to his fleet, and he viewed it as sort of his crown jewel. And so, you know, if you look back through kind of the popular cars, he was trying to kind of fix and find trends and, on what was selling. And, and ultimately, when he got the, the Porsche de- dealership franchise, it kind of galvanized his relationship with my dad. Because my dad had had, he'd been buying, selling 911s. Uh, Tino, I think, was his sixth. But he would, you know, he'd buy one, he'd crash one, he'd sell one, he'd it, get stolen. And just a quick backstory on my dad, he's, he's a little bit more of an eccentric individual, whereas guys like you and I would probably, you know, detail your cars and keep them pretty clean. My dad sort of sees things for their inherent value and doesn't necessarily march to the beat of the drum that other people do in terms mm-hmm. of sort of visual, the, the visual uh, look and feel of something. So he always was driving his cars hard. The dog was a part of the equation. Good. Not washing them. I mean, we, we lived in a house and we didn't have a big garage, so things were out out in the driveway. And so, I mean, we had all growing up, we had a, 2000, a 71, 2002 BMW that was in the yard kind of ready for project mode. And I, I don't know if the project has ever happened. So it's the, the general theme was sort of a revolving door of... Um, you know, Beck spiders and lotuses and um, never flashy cars. Usually the the flashiest things were... Um, you say Beck spider and lotus and then you say not flashy. Well, I mean, the, come on. The, the, the lotus from kind of the early 70s that needed some... That I don't think had an engine in it. And <laughs> he, he didn't quite have... The, he never had the sort of the supercar types. But the, the nicest things he would have were, were kind of the early 930. Um, so he, he went... He went from a couple of 911s to a 930, and then he didn't have a 964 and a 993. So back to kind of the backstory of the car. So you've got this dealership dynamic in the late 80s, early 90s. The first five years that that Porsche dealership was in this suite of you know a lot of uh, brands, um, this particular my dad's client was having a really hard time getting an allocation. The allocations that he wanted, and you know the 911 units in the early 90s were just there were not a lot of there was not a lot of volume right and leading up to the development and the release of the 996 the company was putting a lot of money in the development of this car obviously it was sort of the door opening for this liquid cooled engine and it was kind of john uh, the the my dad's client was like all right we're going to go big and i want i want this dealership to be i want it to be big i want to get as many 911s as possible and about that time because of the money Porsche was putting into the development of this car, it was very clear they were trying to um, push some of the costs to their dealership network. And because John had some financial muscle, he essentially tasked my dad out to work pretty closely with Porsche North America and see if they could come up with a better framework so that the dealers could do the things that, that Germany wanted, which was the amenities of the dealership, the kind of look and feel for this kind of big rollout at the time. And it wasn't, uh, as I understand it, it wasn't necessarily a, a fair arrangement at the front end. And so um, 
through this process and the prodding of, of the client to my dad, he developed a pretty good relationship with some of the Porsche North America um, legal team. Mm-hmm. And as, as lawyers do, they, they bonded on certain things. And so, so I've heard from the other side of things yeah. that they're, they're a it brutal sounds legal like a, team. Yeah, it's but. another world, but the, I guess they have, they have their own legal language. So through that, my dad had his eyes on a successful outcome where Porsche North America got what they want and all the dealers, because it was sort of a, the other dealers were sort of following along with this. It wasn't some big splashy lawsuit, but it was, it was a proceeding that was working through. And all through it, my dad was like, great, we're going to get this lawsuit done and I'm getting a 993 turbo <laughs> when this is all done and what guard red. So, so I guess that, the lawsuit took too long. That right? was the plan. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, so man. as, as things came to completion, um, a very senior person at Porsche was like, uh, you know, Clem, my, my, my dad's first name, uh, Clem, uh, yeah, there's no 993s anymore, but we can get you one of these new 996s. And my dad was a little deflated because he's like, well, I kind of, you know, I've, I've been working all this time towards, you know, and this isn't, this isn't some prize. This is, you know, taking out of a part. Of, this is like cash. Right. Cash the Porsche doesn't give anybody no, anything. No, for nothing free. free here. Nothing. No. In fact, he paid, you know, he probably paid some form of a markup. <laughs> so through 96 and into 97, he was planning on the, that 993 Turbo. And then they said, you know, we can't get it for you. So this is where I guess the story gets a little interesting and um, somewhat unique because it was allocated directly from the factory. So he didn't buy it from a dealer. So it came right from the factory. And what enticed him about this 996 was they said, look, we're, this car can go a lot of different areas. And this is kind of where it leads into your world and sort of the GT and the RS lineup. Those things hadn't come out yet. So all they had was this new engine that they'd spent a ton of money on with the ugliest headlights you can <laughs> from this new engine yeah. they spend a ton of money on but not enough yeah right so <laughs> they said look oh. we can kind of we can we can do this arrow kit in the in the factory and oh by the way in the uk and in japan i guess in germany first and then in the uk they were doing these sort of cup car kind of track cars mm-hmm. that were road legal but oh by the way you can't get it get it in america so we sort of handshake story agreement. of our lives. Yeah, exactly. And they did they did do them in Japan as well. There was like twenty five or something right. that went to Japan. So, so he said, okay, it's kind of like whatever. this. What is it? Kind of these cup cars where it's sort of this hybrid of of a street legal car, but it's not quite a stock car that looks like in this sort of plain everyday nine eleven. So so when it arrived, he got it in July of, two, of nineteen ninety eight. You know, for me, I'm sixteen years old. It's like this thing was like from another planet i it was um so it just showed up and you know like any other teenager you're not you see you think of cars on posters on the wall you're not necessarily slicing and dicing the version of it or the or the vintage and yeah got my first ticket in the car i learned how to drive (laughs) stick in the thing and it was just a ton of fun but you know life goes on i go to college and that's kind of i guess that's sort of chapter one of of just where it came from so you make an interesting point about the cars were seen by us as posters on totally you and i are kind of the same vintage yep so child of the 80s so our car enthusiasm michael scott words here our car enthusiasm is for 90s cars right 
Kuntash on the wall. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. All right, I guess you're a little older than I, but <laughs> I had the Diablo. That was, yeah, but, that was, that was, a that got a little dated. And then I think I replaced it with some, I think I started putting posters of big, um, like Brabus rims and. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. The Koenig body yes. kits and, yep, sure. So we aren't hours. thinking about the nuances right. of the cars, the water cooled versus the How air cooled, the right. IMS, the this, exactly. that, whatever, the Friday fried egg headlights none of that debate enters our minds we're just thinking oh it's the new 911 right exactly right? so when i was a kid i i loved the 993 turbo i thought it was gorgeous and i even remember still seeing a 993 turbo s in a small town in maine drive by me in the opposite direction i remember exactly where it was to the quarter of a mile totally it imprinted me but then i also remember seeing the first 996 and it was in this driveway in Wiscasset, Maine. And every time I go by their house, I'd crane my neck right. to just try to catch the back the of that car the in their driveway. Yeah. 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 And now car guys knock them, or I guess Porsche snobs knock them for not being as whatever, fast, good, well-made, pretty, whatever sure. you want to say. Right. But we were kids then and, right. and that didn't matter. Um, as we, uh, <laughs> I wrote this down. I got to use this line. We didn't know or care about IMS, RMS, AOS, or air cooled versus water cooled. Right. Porsches were just cool. Period. So as we gain knowledge and let's call it refine our yep. taste, we lose the joy of innocence. The, of, the, of exactly just the appreciation. So, do you think it's possible for? I guess for anybody, but for you to love a 996 more than a 993, like knowing what you know about them and I guess the quote unquote superiority of the 993, can you actually throw that out the window and say, no, I like the 996 better? For me, it's an easy answer for me is yes, because now I've, now that um, this kind of comes to the later part of the story, now that I've driven the car, spent time in it, I think I'd have a tough time going back to, you know, call it a more analog version of the vehicle. But that's just my experience. If I had, you know, several of these things, or I guess if you have a garage full, yeah, can you pick preferences based on having kind of every era and you can kind of pick one for a Tuesday? Maybe. But in my case, it's kind of a, you know, five kids and um, <laughs> I'm probably never going to have more than, than one 911. So I, I'm going to pick kind of the all in one for me. Yeah. And so for that, it's perfect. Cause as a daily driver and all those things, but I'm not here to do a 996 commercial. I think it's, um, <laughs> it, 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 that's in the internet. I that's on the internet. I think we've done enough 996 yeah. commercials the last couple. No, we, we, <laughs> couple episodes anyway. Okay. So you have, you said you have five chapters of this car yeah, so that was that, the allocation chapter right yeah so what are this the was, other chapters this is because you talked to a, a, a mega brain like <laughs> like my dad and uh the details it's actually like some of the fibers on this desk it just kind of it kind of goes in different directions so i got confused myself and i sort of lived through this so yeah that was kind of where the car came from allocation the next phase of its life i i guess i'd call the modification so i'm off at college i'm not thinking about this i've I moved on. I all I'm thinking about is my 190e 1985 blue Mercedes that I can do one wheel burnouts in, and 
um, it took me a little, well, I, f- I figured out it was rear wheel drive. And then I was like, wait, I don't think this has limited slip. I'm only pushing power from one wheel. And By correct- the way, your 996 doesn't have limited slip either. There, there you go. That disappointed me when I found that out, <laughs> but whatever. You can add it. So I I'm just- not thinking about German sports cars. I'm just trying to do, yeah, whatever. So during college, I remember just coming home and saying like, hey, what's, those are different rims. And, oh, hey, there's a, there's a roll bar in the car. Dad, oh, like, uh oh, dad's going through a midlife crisis. <laughs> so it didn't really dawn on me that he was. So there's a tuning shop in our town in suburban New York City, pretty well known guy. And about, so back to the promise of the night. Rick Demand, let's give him yeah, a shout okay. out. Come yeah, on. he's good. He's still in business. So he was, so through this good contact at Porsche and making good on the promise that, hey, you know, once these parts can come to America. So my dad started doing the modifications through Rick. So, um, cause the, one of the questions I've had about the car is why don't you just go buy a GT3? Why did all this stuff kind of get bolted on? It's like, well, it was, it was part of an evolution of a car that had some value to the original owner. And so when the X51 power kit came available and the GT3 hollow spoke rims and the, that roll bar, which is now apparently illegal and outlawed for for one <laughs> particular accident which i guess you can't get it i don't know if you could get arrested driving I, the 996 it. you can still get okay it was, it was, to my knowledge you can still get the 996 the 997 was the one that got um canned because somebody had a side impact into a tree and they oh dear sued and said well that didn't protect us in a side impact i mean no duh right <laughs> it's there's no door bars right um i think you can still get the 996 okay one. good I, I, so we're not breaking the law in every area well you can have one yeah. it's just porsche just said we're not going to sell them anymore Got because it. they didn't want the liability yeah so i guess it was a so that's yeah, stuff like that was going on so um uh brakes exhaust kind of from the inside out and i I knew there was an engine swap, but I didn't fully understand it. And at the time, my dad said, hey, by the time these parts became available directly from Porsche, I had 25,000 miles on the engine. So it was much easier and I was going to get more life if I bolted the X51 directly on a new crated you know, 3.4. Mm-hmm. So he got a new crated engine about 2001, 2002 and started doing these things to it. So again, it's out of sight, out of mind for me. I come home and I'm like, wow, this this is a little faster than I remember. But <laughs> hey, God bless America. I'm not thinking about anything more than that. So that was kind of yes, that was sort of the modification era. But I wasn't you know, drooling over every part that was being done. I just said, hey, great. And um, the car would disappear for time for periods of time where you'd just come home for a winter break and it wasn't there. And oh, it's at the tuner. It's so I just assumed, okay, this is what. This is what guys in their 50s do. They send cars away to people to tune them, tinker with mm-hmm. them, and you don't get them back for a while until they send you a bill. <laughs> so, As long as you keep paying my college <laughs> bill. Thank you, Dad. Very fortunate. So the, the third chapter would be what? Extrication? No, this is Gen- hibernation. Gentrification. Third chapter is hibernation. Hibernation. Okay. So, which you said it would disappear for a little while. Yeah, and then this is where I guess where it gets really murky, and this is where it the does d- get murky. Yeah, I ran a Carfax on the car. Yeah, and it starts in two thousand one, which is understandable because Carfax doesn't right. have a lot of stuff in the eighties and nineties. But then it just stops in two thousand twelve. It right. shows an accident with another motor vehicle. I can't talk tonight. And then nothing. Right, just nothing. Yeah, kind of went kind of went ghost on us. Yeah, um, and I didn't. 
even think about it for probably years. So there's the, a combination of things happen. So my dad's getting a little older, uh, other priorities in his life. He's got it, you know, hopefully stored with, with Rick down the street. Um, no garage storage and yeah, it just starts to deteriorate. And, um, again, my dad doesn't care, you know, in terms of the, the car still got its soul. He doesn't right. it, it bump a, bump a trailer hitch or, uh, <laughs> or a little paint starts to fade. I mean, it sounds crazy cause it doesn't see, it's not, it's not the mainstream, but that's not who, uh, that's not who Clem is. He's, he is one of a kind. And, um, yeah, so I guess it's, it's refreshing. And if you think about babying a car or treating a car like a human being where it's some special irreplaceable thing, not that you need to go to the other extreme and you just beat the tar out of it, but, but who did, has more fun? Yeah. He, he had a lot of fun. So yeah. So, it, let, so this is the hibernation period. So there's some question marks, but the thing we know is that the th- it was not driven. It was not driven. It was stored in bad locations. Um, and it was probably tracked from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, and authorized I, well, track use or, you know, I'm sure Rick had great intentions. I'm sure he was working through a lot. I mean, when we were doing some of the, when we did the full engine, um, work this summer, we found a tuning computer on there that, uh, you know, was like had a early two thousands email address. I mean, there was, there was some, I think it could run some not normal fuel through it. So there were some interesting things happening, but, uh, it wasn't getting a lot of miles on it, and really, the only thing that was happening was it was sitting. So th- that was uh, that was c- the hibernation period, uh, Rip Van Winkle <laughs> of a car, I guess. I mean, but probably like a lot of barn finds, right? Things that, sure. hey, Aunt Linda died, Uncle Billy just closed the barn, and nobody came back for. But with the barn finds, you hope it's a '73 911 S, not a nine nine. 99 sure it's one of the <laughs> three point rapid <laughs> rapid aging barn find it's a, it's a cryogenically rapid aging for a this is hey but, I but got this, this wasn't in a barn this was outside no, exactly. the barn was yeah. it it was on was on a chicken farm so this okay so i can't i have good news and bad news the good news is i can't deny there were chickens at this facility the bad news is i can't confirm there were chickens <laughs> So uh, a, uh, a let's call it a distant relative who I think had good intentions, but probably does not have a great future in the car storage business. <laughs> so th- this is about the time I moved back to Ohio. You know, I lived in a city for 10 years. You dream of a day where you can have a, you know, you talk about a garage of, you know, okay, you get three cars. What are you going to get? It's all in my mind, but I've got one car. It lives on the street. It's just urban living. I move back here. I meet you. I meet Frank Komar. We, I, I meet Pete Jackson. Like you, you just start. Did I break something? No. Okay. Um, this, the state of Ohio gives you a little bit more freedom to create some hobbies and get back into, you know, a childhood passion. I asked my dad where the car was because I, I met you and I saw the, the work you were doing and I knew that I could get things here. And I, I just thought, well, I wonder what's going on with this. It, it was not an easy answer. No, nothing was directly figured out through my mom. And I think a te- like a cable bill or a cell phone bill, we found, we figured out that it was, uh, we was, at, it was at cousin, the, the cousin's house. <laughs> and so I was looking on a map. My parents live about 20 miles North of New York city. I was like, okay, Connecticut. I don't know this town in Connecticut. And I'm looking on the map and I go, oh, okay. It's like 40 minutes from my parents. We can, 
we can, I could send my brother up and he could bring it down. Maybe just see if the car's still working. Help my dad kind of sell it, whatever. And I was on satellite view on my map for whatever reason. And I uh, was like, there's, there's a red dot. There's a red dot there. And I just start zooming in and I paused and I said to myself, self, the car <laughs> is in Google, Google Maps from space sitting next to some large shed type uh, facility. Um, can't, again, can't confirm or deny the, uh, the day-to-day functionings of the facility, but not switch <laughs> but it, cars. It was, it was probably used level. as a feed trough. This is very, yeah. Not switch cars level storage with, uh, with padded <laughs> shoes and... Um, we did have a cat once. And battery tenders. We did have a cat once who liked to feed on the car. Yeah. So that's, I guess this is the part where, last. this is where you came in, Doug, because I, I said, we got to, we got to, uh, um, evacuate the vehicle. Yes. Extrication, <laughs> Extrication, evacuation, yes. chapter four. Yeah. yeah. So Nate calls me and says, Hey, go get this car. And usually that's no big deal. Fine. Send a trucker. Um, there was a lot of stipulations, which I didn't really I guess I don't remember because I didn't think that much of it until I got a strange phone call. No, you don't typically pick cars recently. up from dirt road. Right. And there was locations. like, well, you have to go between these hours and like, you know, knock four times. I don't remember what it was, yeah. but we you know, two we, shots into the air with a with a 12 gauge. Yeah. To announce yourself. And then, you know, you can proceed yeah. down the. So in, in true form, we found a, a Eastern European trucker that spoke three words of English the words which were hi i'm driver and we got the car back here yeah and you we didn't know what state it was in and we came to just take a look at it and you i think it drove a little bit but you got out of the car and and uh, yeah I, I didn't know you it, that well at the time but you didn't have a look of all right, we've we've got it. Let's get it up on the Switch Cars <laughs> website, and we're gonna make a transaction here in the next twenty minutes. No, so it minutes. actually, I I think other than having a dead battery, it ran. Yeah, and we would move it around. And it's like okay, no big deal. We'll throw it in back, and then we went to move it again a little while later, and it just made this horrible noise. And lights came on, and it didn't want to run anymore. And I'm thinking, okay, well, frick, probably the IMS bearing or something. Something like this yeah. car just shat itself and. Nate, please come get it yeah. because now we have to push it around. Right, exactly. And the paint's coming off under our hands when we're moving it. And yeah, and I think you were gracious to we, we kept it here for a little bit. And Frank Komar uh, and I, with Frank's direction, we did some of the basic triage. You know, heart heart rate. Does it? <laughs> can it breathe? And we did a leak down test. We did some really basic. What do we got here? Is this thing? savable should we just get rid of it and very quickly we realized okay there's a lot here low miles we didn't know anything about kind of the tuning work to it we just said can we make this thing run and about two weeks after i get this this burning project mode okay restore it let's do all this fun stuff let's get it to the track this is going to be great my wife and i found out we were having twins so the hobbies of my life took a little bit of a backseat for I guess a little, a little while. Um, fast forward, COVID, just right last spring, got it out of storage, had a, had a good storage spot for it, but got it out of storage and had it sitting up at Pete's Custom Coach. And Pete and Frank were kind of given the laundry list of 
what was there. And that's when you, that's, I guess this is the last in current chapter when you, you called me when I was in New York for work and said, do you still have that? Do you still have that 996? <laughs> and that's, uh, kind of, I guess that picks it up from June of this year. Yeah. The, uh, beautification, what chapter is this? Yeah. I, you had a word for it anyway. Um, restoration, something? restoration, yeah. something. Yeah. Um, before we go to that chapter, and I want to go back to the extra extrification. <laughs> extrication. I literally am making up words now. Uh, we do have to hear from one of our sponsors. We want to hear from one of our sponsors because that enables us to be here. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines makes our dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Mm. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code switchcast to save 25.39% at checkout. Again, if you'd like to have your questions answered on air, you can comment wherever you're watching. We have a live in-studio audience and a microphone open here if anyone has questions for Nate about Tina. And you could also call in 216-294-4124. So let's back up. I don't know how to get rid of that. Thanks. Real professional here. Let's back up to the extrication chapter. So I got a, we'll say anonymous phone call, somewhat recently, about <laughs> the car from, a, I guess, a neighbor of your cousin. Excellent. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I remember. I remember seeing that car, and I was always wondering. I'd drive by it, and I was wondering <laughs> what was going on with it. And then a few years ago, it got stolen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but please don't tell anyone my name or that, you know, that I called you. I was Isn't like, Isn't it great? The honesty of the great American people. <laughs> I was it, like, it that might've been us. <laughs> Nate, did, did I steal it? Did we steal the car? It's, it's, I had a few conversations with this relative and I, I was vague on details as he started to ask more questions, but Hey, we made it a good amount of time without impressing charges. So uh, I'm just going to say we, uh, y you took one for the team. You you found a you found a good soldier, and uh, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Hey, honesty is the best policy, even if it's several years later, right? Uh, sure. He came sure. clean. He said, "I think someone stole it." Can I? Do Do you have the title in your name yet? Uh, in process. It's 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 all part of the. Uh, I wanted to keep it clean for now, but I've got everything I need to. Uh, but that's part of what we're here for, to talk about what next. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so speaking of what's next, there's been an ongoing debate in Nate's head about whether or not to restore the car. And all of us here, well, me and Frank, and even Pete, the guy who does restorations Has the for a living. Has skills to do this much and, more. Yeah, yeah, and will profit more than anyone, <clears throat> say that he should leave it. And Nate goes back and forth. We have a poll going on our Instagram story. So if you want to vote on whether Nate should restore it to its original glory or leave it as is to preserve the story of henpecked, as I want to call it. Uh, that's great. <clears throat> that's, that's, that's my license plate if I 
came to own the car (laughs) because I don't think uh, my other uh, suggestion would work. I can't say it out loud, but. No, that's good. That's that, that's that good. was my other license plate suggestion. I mean, there could have been goats there. We don't really know. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, and I guess and, it gets to the broader debate too. That didn't mean to cut, broader no. debate of the restoration process in general. Is it do you keep something original and pure and as is that can run? Because right now the car can run. I mean, I on our little rendezvous we did a couple months ago, we put some miles on some Frank and I put some miles on it. You put a lot of miles on it as well. It yeah. it can run just fine. And so you can forget the way it looks when you pull into a gas station <laughs> and you can, <laughs> with some shock and awe, have some people looking at you just saying like, what is your problem? But what is a car really? It's the way it drives, the way it makes, it's the kind of, it's the feeling in your, in your belly of just, ripping down the road and trying not to get pulled over. So, yeah, that's, I, that's a deep question. What <laughs> is a car really? Yeah. Right. Uh, uh I don't think we're going to unpack that now, no. but, um, and financially nothing makes sense, right? Uh, right. Restoring it, selling it, keeping it, not have it even uh, in this market. Keeping I don't it know, doesn't what? not make sense. No, keeping it makes a lot of selling sense it, me. I guess, Depends on the offer. Restoring it makes zero financial sense. Correct. Because at the end of the day, then you have a still non-original right. Porsche 996 with an installed X51 yep. kit. So, yeah, it's cool, but the I think the bulk of the value, at least for you, is in the history that you have with the car. And right, the emotional exactly. tie and the nostalgia and all that. And... If somebody else were to have it and restore it, then it's just a 996 with That's an arrow right. kit. It's right. cool. It's an early build car. It was one of the hand-built cars, et cetera, et cetera, but it's a 996. Yep, exactly. And all the things that all those Renless, yeah, those Renless Friday experts. headlights, <laughs> IMS. We need to have a drinking game. Every time we say IMS, yeah. we have to take a shot. Mm, Everybody well, shot out it. there, yeah. every time we say IMS, nobody's listening. Yeah. Even though that drink. engine only had a few thousand miles preemptively with the low probability, we did replace the IMS just for uh, just for comfort's sake. Well, oh, I said. let's not get into engineering, but the lower mileage ones are more prone to failure, and that's why I yeah, pushed exactly. you guys to do it because it was a low mileage engine. We had the whole thing ripped apart underneath. I, right. We, Frank had the whole thing underneath ripped apart. It was, it was an easy... Um, plus, we had to get it re- ready for Ed Bullion. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, the-, <laughs> the 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 famous vacation chapter of the story. So, I gave you a call. I was looking for a terrible 911, which I rarely do unless it's on behalf of Ed, because Ed Bullion loves terrible cars. And in this crazy, crazy COVID market, I was looking for like I used to find. Uh, Tarted up 930s and wow. long nose cars that had been future dated. Like from Condor Man? To the slant yeah, nose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, I, there was actually a long nose car. There was like a 69 uh, car that had been, you know, everybody now that the thing to do is backdate cars. Right. And this had been, this went the other way and it had a slant nose wide body kit mm. on an early car. And I used to find this stuff on Craigslist all the time. And it was like, 
you know, 10, 15 grand. Nobody wanted them. They didn't have VIN numbers, stuff like that. And I'm like, man, great. Ed, this will be no problem. I could not find one to save my life. But he life. wouldn't go to like a 944 Turbo. or, or Had to be a 911. Okay. Had to be a 911. Had to please the sponsors. So I couldn't find a thing. And I'm like, gosh darn it. Nate <laughs> has the greatest, worst 911 ever. Serendipity. I mean, it was... <laughs> It was three weeks out, like the thing had been sleeping again, and we took it out of storage. I had seen the list on the on the piece of paper, and you called me a few days later, and you're like, "Do you have Do you have that? Do you still have that car?" <laughs> yeah. So Ed needed great a car timing. for Car Trek, uh, which is airing in five days, so you'll get to see it. And he needed to buy it for like fifteen grand. Yeah. To fit his budget, he had to buy three cars from Germany for twenty-five grand: uh, an SUV, a daily driver, and a sports car. So, yep. tell us about negotiating a deal with the shrewdest negotiator in the car industry. It was interesting because early on, you you told me about the show. Um, now I've since learned of the show, but at the time I hadn't caught on as millions of others had, and. I said, okay, let me just let me see what the Car Trek thing's about. Very quickly realized this is a legitimately produced, capable group of guys that love cars, know how to drive cars, and are doing a really cool, um, not kitschy at all or sort of fringy thing, like a main a mainstream, well produced show. And immediately I started asking you questions. Well, wait a minute, if he buys it, can I buy it back? You know, it's not about the money. What if he drives it off a cliff? And eventually, <laughs> I love this was good too because you don't don't short sell yourself, Doug. You were trying to negotiate. I was probably a pain in the rear end, and then you go, "Okay, why don't you call it?" <laughs> so <laughs> enter uh, the baritone. I'm just a guy who gets people to the ten yard line. <laughs> yeah, and you did a very good job at that. I remember thinking to myself all right the cars the cars my my dad has said whatever you want to do you've got my blessing but i felt like i needed to be fair to the story respect to my you know my dad who i'm pretty close with so i call ed and my first question i think was what if you drive it off a cliff and he said something along the lines of well nate that's just the risk you're gonna have to take <laughs> and i thought okay and every scenario i came up with was basically they could just they could just wrap it around a pole, assuming everybody's okay. Is that that bad of an outcome for this? And I thought, you know, for the final chapter of the book, it's been a great ride. <laughs> I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't hit that Manila f that uh, that long list of of action items yet. If it dies a beautiful YouTube death, God bless America. <laughs> and so we worked out an arrangement where you know I kind of had the first right to buy it back. And it went on a little holiday and I, I, I haven't seen the show. We got some photos, um, you and I did and it, yeah, I'm excited for what comes of it, but it was exactly the little adventure and chapter for the car that I, that I could have hoped for in that. Um, and they, even with new tires, it didn't, we didn't wear them out completely. So, and even if the things in the show doing three, six, you know, burnouts and, it's all good because it the car needed a little love after some of its <laughs> some of its quiet period. It was uh, good though because it forced you to do the stuff that totally. needed to be done. Oh my goodness, we fast tracked the underneath of that car 
um, every, you know, I think Frank put a couple hundred miles on it because we would, you know, okay, tires, and then we're going to get rid of, you know, cracked hoses and we're going to fix this and okay, brakes. And we did all the, the obvious stuff. And then it was a leak here and a squeak there. And other than the cosmetics, we did it all uh, from the bottom up just to get it ready for some serious YouTube driving. And we wanted it to perform well. I think, I hope, I mean, I get it didn't stall out from we, from what we could tell. When we, when we were driving down to meet, we rendezvoused with Ed in Kentucky. And that was another fun part of the story. We actually switched cars for, with, for you. We took, we took Tina down. We met Ed and we came back in a Cayman GT4, which was a fun, a fun day of driving. But on the way down, um, poor Ed had to do the reverse. He starts the day in a GT4 and ends in yeah, Tina. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No Bluetooth or uh, Apple CarPlay in 1999, really 1998 technology. Although there's some great, uh, early eighties, um, opera singing from my dad on the tape deck and uh some some there was some mozart in the six disc cd changer so i think it had some good options for music if you wanted and the am radio the fm works too but um getting down there you also get a facial too from the foam yeah they're coming out of the vents yeah there's again some of the interior points were were yet to be buffed out but it was about six o'clock in the morning frank comer and i are driving down he's got the first shift and within about a half an hour when the sun comes up, Frank has got a, a, a coffee in his hand and we're in Southern Ohio and my eyes are up. I'm thinking we're going to get arrested. This is not good. I, I'm not, I, I like to, I don't have quite the cannonball skills that you do, nor do we have the technology outfit in the car. And Frank just casually gets the car up to 100, 150. It was even hard for me to say that speed with, just one hand on the wheel and he stops, he slows down and says like, well, there's, so we got, we had a good chance to buff some things out and felt like, okay, Ed can take it from here and we'll see where, we'll see where the Lord leads. <laughs> so funny story, Frank, I'm sorry, but <laughs> uh, yeah. So speaking of Frank going 150, yeah. Um, in order to have things correct for my insurance, you know, you guys were driving the GT4 back on a dealer tag. It was a car I took in on trade. So I emailed my insurance agent and said, hey, I need to add these guys to my insurance so they can drive my car back. Um, and they said, okay, send me over their driver's license, all that. And about 30 minutes before you guys are supposed to come back, yeah, you were my having insurance tacos with that. Yeah. agent calls me and says, actually... Frank Comar can't drive any of your cars. He's completely <laughs> excluded from your policy because he has 19... What a gift. Five, I don't know, a crap ton of tickets in the last three years. How, what? Only seven in the last three, but 52 tickets overall. Talent. Yeah. I, I think Frank is seething inside because... He drives slightly over the speed limit all the time and gets tons of tickets, and then I go across country at blazing speeds yeah he could be brag your about it online and he could be your binocular guy right on the next yeah on the next one he's so not gonna I, be co-pilot i had to text frank and nate and say um yeah frank can't drive the gt4 that home. was a very clear message it was it, it was very mission clear from control my insurance came company. in and said no 
<laughs> Frank cannot drive any of your cars. We had, they will not be insured. We had fun. I think we saw 25 police officers on the way home and didn't get a ticket in the GT4. It was it was a good, uh, safe, safe trip. They had home. all woken up by then. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Goodness gracious, I lost my train of thought with that one. We we have a question from a, a Porsche nerd. With it being a 99 with a dual row IMS, oh is dear. it as big of a concern as the revised single bearing? Going to have to call a friend. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have a, yeah. a strong opinion. Um, it's, there, it and was, I'm happy to learn from from the audience on the nuances of... Yeah. Um, it's an X51 motor with low mileage, and it was a part already, so... Who cares? Just do it. Cheap insurance. That's, yeah. Is it less of a concern? Yeah. Is it still a concern? Yeah. So just do it. Um, I've had numerous people ask me, they bought, you know, 100, 120,000 mile 3.4 liter cars. And they asked if they should do the IMS. And I said, no, because you're going to spend three grand right. to pull it apart, replace the IMS. And a 3.4 liter short block is far less expensive than a 3.6 liter. So the the cost of insurance relative to your risk is too high. And it's not likely to fail on a high mileage motor. But on an almost new motor that sat and sat and sat and likely been started up and shut down and all of the things that are high risk for IMS and you have the X51 package installed already, which is, I mean, that adds 10 grand to the cost of the motor. Yep. Like, yeah, you do it. You do it. So I don't care if it's a 2% or 12% failure rate. That's that's worth right. the cost of entry. And you, like you said, you had the engine apart anyway. You're going through the car mechanically. So you just do it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, shut down. Uh, were you nervous to have the car leave knowing what it was maybe going to be used for? Yes, and what made me more comfortable was, and I'm not trying to, I'm not a paid sponsor of uh, Car Trek, but Ed was a great sport about it. We got updates on the production, what was going on, and they're car guys like everybody else. They understand the, the value of an automobile. And after, and it was quick. They did the filming, they did their thing. And I felt the part of the process and it was a lot of fun. So I'm excited to see it on the show. And it was a good reminder for me too. <clears throat> hey, if he drives it off a cliff and he bails out and he's and he's perfectly safe, it was a fun ending. Thank you, yeah. YouTube. <laughs> well, the funny thing is when he and I were talking, he made noise about wanting to keep it for a while. And after he was done with the show, he immediately just said, okay, come pick it up. Yep. Which I think actually says something good about the car because it wasn't terrible enough for him got it maybe the that's title more nuanced than you can speak to being <laughs> knowing him better than i do but that's wow he did sell a lot of his cars after and there was a lot of talk about he him did, getting yeah. a bucati veron but i did, couldn't quite make that math work he made the math work. <laughs> is that what he got for, for youtube sponsorship okay, okay. when you talk about things like that you get more views hey. so that's how he made the math work love it so a little bit of a spoiler alert for the show um they drag raced it. They took it on a road course. They did some drives, this and that. So I was looking into kind of the nuances of the the horsepower and things like that because I was curious what an X51 package right. actually does for the power. Porsche 
engineers the crap out of their motors. There's not a whole lot to There's be gained lot, from any right. performance improvements. And even with an X51 package, which is revised heads, camshafts, intake, exhaust, et cetera, et cetera, they're getting like 25, 25 30 horsepower. Right. Yeah. Because again, which is the, early, the early kits, I think we're getting closer to 50, but not in the US. And then it was basically 360 at the first GT3. Right. So it was kind of, again, to the point, why would anybody do this? Well, yeah. Well, it's, it. it's funny though that people these tuning companies will say oh yeah a chip and a, an exhaust and you'll get 40 right. horsepower and right no you won't so um theoretically it should be about the same horsepower as a three six car it's mm-hmm. 285 i think stock i don't know where my notes went but yeah it's it's about 285 stock so it should be about 325 ish with the x51 package maybe 335 whatever mm-hmm. in that range so they dynoed all their cars and it dynoed at 220 to the wheels, 214, 220. Super low, even with drivetrain loss, right? Like, even for a stock one, that's way off power. And one of the other cars they dynoed was also pretty low, but then the, the Super, I think, of Tavares' car made bonkers power. <laughs> so That's okay, going to be so, fun to watch drive. So we're, we're looking at the dyno going, that's kind of weird. It should make a lot more than that. So then Ed, they did a, a quarter mile. The factory time for non-X51 cars is 13.6 for a quarter mile. A journalist took one, like a 200,000-mile car, which you'd think is a little bit down on power, up, a little sure. tired, and he did a 14 flat. Non-X51. So you'd say, well, you probably gain a couple tenths with the X51 package. Ed did it in a lethargic 14.6 down the quarter mile, full mm. second off of stock. So you might say, oh, the dyno's an, an anomaly, but then Ed sucked down the quarter mile. <laughs> you maybe, said it, But I maybe didn't. Ed can't drive. because. So <laughs> I wanted to do a, a, a control test, right, to say, Kay. like, okay, well, maybe the dyno's off and, and Ed is terrible yes. at the quarter mile. <laughs> so I went up against my buddy Tyler's 996. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, 996. 996.2 with a 3.6. So theoretically, they have the same horsepower. We did a 30-mile-an-hour second-gear pull. So there was no, like, eliminate all right. variables of shifting of reaction time, whatever, and just did a pull. I pulled on him by about mm, one to two car lengths. Not significant, but mm-hmm. I did pull on him. But the problem is now that's totally inconclusive because <laughs> his engine might have bore scoring and might be way down on power too. So we didn't conclude anything other than we have we no need to conclusion get that about 2001 computer and the jet fuel back in it. <laughs> we, <laughs> need, we need like three other 996s yeah. to go up against. And so, so we don't know how much power the car really makes right. or how much faster it is than a base Sounds 996. Sounds great. And it's loud. And yeah. Yeah. I, I think it does have noticeably more low-end throttle response right it's not like yeah and you'd know crazy that. fast but there, there's something there what's that the the the, the unit chip is not in it but it, it's Ooh. still it's supposed to make 25 horsepower even without that hmm. but it, even though like a, even without it let's just say as a stock motor right you'd still expect a sub 14 quarter mile and you'd still expect 250 plus on the dyno to the wheels on a 285 crank horsepower car. So, and it's 
theoretically a fresh motor too. It's not a you know, 100, 150,000 mile motor. So that mystery remains. Remains. I think we need to solve this at Nelson's Ledges in the spring. And we Deal. Can, uh, <laughs> between you and Frank, <laughs> I'll run the stopwatch. It's just, this is a this is a community the community uh, endeavor. We can we can uh, get some of the Ren list. We'll have a 996 yeah. fest at Nelson They'll come Ledges. out of the woodwork. Yeah, the day before the 944 fest. Uh. We can just call it the unloved week. <laughs> hey, can the 928 guys show up at the end? <laughs> <laughs> if they can make it there yeah. without breaking. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, let's where go do the, to, where let's... Do the Where does the, uh, the electric, the new electric cars come in the the the, the guy who oh, comes to my gosh. preschool we're not talking with, about uh, those the <laughs> it sound the the micro the uh the fake engine sound is is quite intimidating when i'm walking oh, my, my son and daughters up to the front door listen we're gonna it's hear white. from our sponsor i'm also trying to get a bourbon sponsor but if somebody out there could refill both of us um we got some good bourbons tequilas and scotches here so uh yeah, our glasses are empty, and, and we need to, to refuel. So we're going to hear from BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, chart, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, no ice for me, Frank, thanks. BoxCast is an easy, flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy, we're broadcasting this show with a phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. I like my woman, women, woman. I like my woman like I like my bourbon. Neat. Neat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't used that enough tonight. Yeah. All right. So some of the questions we've got from readers, viewers, fans, whatever. Great. Teach us some things. There's there's some guys that really. Teach me how to Dougie. Yeah. They, the, the late 90s just brings people out of the woodwork. It's great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a good one. Would you ever sell it? It's hard for it's hard to know right now because I just started a what felt like a restoration project and now we've had this interesting little interlude with Car Trek and I'd like to drive it more. Mm-hmm. I I heard you a couple weeks ago. I don't know what you were I wasn't I don't have trigger words where I'm waiting for people to talk about nine nine sixes, but you were talking <laughs> about a winter car that you could rip with good balance of the tires and you know people ask you what you drive in Cleveland in the winter and you go you know what I want I want to rip around and I thought well I've never had the chance to do that so I guess I'd like the chance to do stuff like that um my kids are a little older uh uncle frank as my kids call him scared the living daylights out of my younger two cuz it does have back seats and so there's just some there's some fun I'd like to have with it but at the same time you know it, I'm a okay. businessman. If you sold it, um, it would feel incomplete right now. It fe- it would feel like I either got well, rid of it before some project finished, or I didn't get to have some fun with it. Yeah, yeah, because you've had such a long journey with it. It's drivable now. It's turnkey. It's not hurting you to keep it. If you did sell it though, a year from now, whatever, five years, 
what would you replace it with? What do you have your eye on? I'd just get another 911. I mean, I, I've this ca- this car has been a part of my life. I mean, the earliest memories I have of my dad driving around with him, or we would go to the dealership and look at these cars. It's just, there's something about, the car has so much appeal to me for its daily driver value, and I that's that's what I would replace it with, very simply. And maybe it's a, just a more modern version that's not as much, uh, that doesn't have as much nuance to it that I can just drive around, but that's the, that's the idea. The rest of my life is spent driving a large family hauler, not a minivan, thank you, Lord. I have five kids. We gotta we gotta fit people into a certain amount of space. And I mean, your wife drives a Macan, for goodness' yeah, sake. Yeah, so we had to. You're <laughs> not the minivan family. No, no. So the uh, the idea would be to have that third car to for my daily driver when I'm not walking or riding my bike. Gotcha. Speed Technic Photo asked, "What was broken on it before Frank brought it back to life?" <laughs> The face. Yeah, I would say the broken stuff was just. Frank, do you want to answer this? <laughs> There's a microphone. Here, we can't on, hear come you. Come on up to the microphone, Mr. Komar, King's Auto, <laughs> Chesterlin, Ohio. Give us the list. That's a fantastic question. It was a lot. Um, the entire braking system was down. Um, timing chain tensioners. Uh, it wouldn't run because of a little uh, camshaft timing issue that the we chicken took care coop of. in the radiator. There was a fair amount of chicken fluff everywhere. Yeah, we'll just leaves. We we'll use a word so that fluff. confirms. <laughs> just leaves. Um, yeah, water pump issues. Um, the X fifty one package that I did not process or know much about had a neat thing called a dual scavenging oil pump on the passenger side cylinder head. Um, that was leaking profusely um, of oil, which led to all the history on the X-51 package finding out what it was. It was actually a sand cast piece where the part numbers were written in electric pencil, um, <laughs> you know, on, on the piece and all the other X-51 package pieces on that thing. So um, the clutch was pretty well smoked. Um, Probably the really trucker did that. Yeah. Or Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He knows the word clutch, either, too. It was either he knew two, the word you know how that happened. two years of track time by a, a known tuner or one day from the trucker. Or the goats tried to drive yeah. it. Yeah. Or the neighbor. He's, we should have done he's, goat farm stuff. It would have been much better than chicken farm. Hey. I, again, we can't <laughs> deny that there could have been a chicken coop or um, other other things at the facility. <laughs> I, it was a compound of. I think that I mean yeah. it pretty much settles the question. I, but yeah, it was it was wear and oh, tear. Oh, I got a plate idea for it now. Excellent. Other than henpecked, Red Bull, because hmm. it gives you wings. Because <laughs> Porsche gave you an aero kit, they got you an aero. It's got a wing. I like it. That's better than okay. what it is now, which is Nate Bob. <laughs> Nate, oh gosh. Uh, uh. My dad had all growing up. All of his cars had Clem. That was it. Clem. Clem. Clemmy. Clementine. Clem. Alvis Elliott says he posed the chicken on the car for our yes. frontline Instagram picture. No, no, no. That was natural. That that picture was yeah, taken was- in period at, at the farm. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um. <laughs> I, w- I hope when the show airs, Ed rips out of that dirt area and the oh, chicken just yes. gets thrown into the... But no, that was a very well done. Very artistically sound photograph. 
EZS Tuning asked if it's a factory XAA code arrow kit. Do you know what XAA is? Yes, it's on the it's on the sticker. Yes. Somebody else said pictures or it didn't happen. They wanted to see pictures of the build I do sheet. Have but yes, it, here's the build sheet. The, a modern version yeah. of it. The hood does need replaced, but that hood will hang on the wall of my <laughs> office or something like that. The headlight needs replaced too, but I don't Ooh. think you should. Yeah. Oh, those it's an early amber lens car too. <laughs> oh yeah, it's amber lens. Oh, I love I my love, Porsche's best I love Porsche. the purest view. I'd rather know what the the purists are saying and just I can have a conversation with them. I, I still think it's funny though that and this is the Porsche snob in me that he went so far to get the aero kit, pulled Porsche favors, this and that, got the X fifty one kit later on. And number one, he didn't get the LSD and he got the base crappy wheels. LSD for a s- limited slip okay, differential. Thank you. Okay. Like if you're gonna get a performance nine eleven, get an LSD. And I know it was like it was a rare option on the early cars, but then again, so was the arrow. Exactly. Kit. It's the it's the the framework is the one of one of my dad. And just he's a, he's just a special guy that had something that he's very connected to that yeah, it all rash most rational people would have gone, you wait twelve months, you just go buy that thing right off the shelf. And you know, what's fun for me is I did, it wasn't him trying to keep up with the Joneses. He was so excited about this modern era car that blew him away. And he said, you know what? I can make it better. And this is a lot of fun. So yeah. I'm not trying to sound corny about it, but that's the, that's the part of my dad that is when people go, when people zig, he zags. He's, he's not your huh. average. He's not your average bear. Right. Well, and I love the wheels that are on it now, which usually when you see right. aero kit cars, you see the, the sport design wheels. And I'm glad he put those on there. It's just funny to see when you sent me the original pictures oh, yeah, of it. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. To those, see the, the 17 and he still inch. has those. He's like, he, he goes, Nate, do you want me to send you those wheels? And it's like, no, put, put them over in the, make them into a plant holder or a lamp. Say yes, put snow tires on them. Okay, we'll do it. We'll Seriously. do it. He's got the old engine too. We bring it out here and we'll get it rally. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yes, yeah. snow tires. Right. Drive that thing through the winter. It can't get any worse. Great. Can't get any worse. Uh Michael Waugh Michael Waugh has a lot of appreciation for this. He actually helped me out. We were doing research on production numbers and and all sorts of things when the car was built, et cetera, et cetera. Because you just commented, OMG, a 98 build red, black aero car, the one I'm looking for. How much would you like for it? I'd love to chat with him. We can, I'll, <laughs> I will put more pictures. I'm not really, get in a, line, Michael. I'm not I want really a social media guy, but I did, uh, Frank suggested just for, I, I'll, I'll be reachable through that with just some photos of the car. It's not funnier as, as, entertaining as your instagram doug but it has information there and yeah we can cool some of the, a lot of pictures of frank upside down <laughs> underneath the car there's one of you actually underneath it with my son and my four-year-old son's looking up at the car thinking like what is that guy talking about you were you were looking this was over it yeah you you know you know the underside by the way the underside of that thing needs that blasting to get rid of the no, I. You need to leave it leave because it. You, right. you actually, it's actually doing its job. It's Excellent. protecting the car for Just driving. Like so yeah, 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 yeah. Um, where to go, Chef Brett Stevens? What is it like knowing that Tina is going to be a YouTube celebrity? Because YouTube celebrities aren't real celebrities, according to my wife. Has it gone to her heads? <laughs> That's actually what he. 
if I don't say this, it's my wife. My wife will be very upset. Uh, the name Tina, uh, Ed was gracious to. Ed found a, a keychain. Yes. Driving to and from meeting up with Ed, I said to Frank, "This thing doesn't have a name." I called my wife, and she go, and I said, "We're you know it's Patina," and she goes, "The name is Tina." So the name Tina, shout out to. My my amazing wife came from her, so yeah, Tina. Yeah, but and here I thought Ed named it. No, Ed took it and ran with it. And yeah. to Ed's credit, that's where his uh, his his uh, his fame in uh, the car world made the made a little idea blossom. And he got that awesome keychain, which is somewhere. Yeah. Um. Great. So, almost done here. I have a question. I have lots of questions. You've debated back and forth on restoring this car. I've been pushing you hard to preserve it as is. We're going to look at the poll numbers too to see where the where cool. the votes came in. What's your current position and what's your rationale? Yeah, so it's I, I did a I did some research this fall. I'm very new into the idea of you know because because you you brought up some interesting points about the paint and how it's gonna it's only gonna go a certain way, so I'm in the discovery phase right now, with not wanting to hurt the body any longer, but the car can just get up and go. So in the short term, I'm doing nothing. It's happily warm and in storage with a battery tender, and I'll I'll get through the winter and come spring. I think it's fun to have friends like yourself where I can just make rational I mean this is what I do for a living where you evaluate decisions based on plus minuses costs uh, work put in time etc and say well I can just get around town just fine so it's fun because the whole kind of restoration world these barn finds there's a there's a whole culture of fixing things up and doing things to cars with stories and yeah I'm just not trying to sound corny, but I'm kind of having fun through it. But it's going to be out on the road yeah. as soon as the snow's gone here in its current state. I'll tell you be- that. Before you do anything to it, you need to let me take it to a Porsche, a snooty Porsche Concours event and just see. I would, people. I would love to go with you because I haven't done any of those events. And I would, I would love to watch you work the room. <laughs> like if you wore that, that Marlboro jacket you've got. Yes. And you, and you yes. come in and just because you could I wouldn't know I'm a fish out of water in those things. I don't go to those events on the weekends, but you probably know, you know, Trevor from uh, you know, the guy that's just kind of f- flaunting. And I'm sure there's some great, great people there. Salt yeah. of the earth people. But it would be very fun to go to something like that with you because Ed did that in Atlanta. He went to some a cars and coffee event. And there's some amazing automobiles there. Yeah. And, and I, some not amazing. I would love to just see the flair of, hey, yeah, this isn't your average. This is. Oh, your I'd play car. it up. I'd play. I'd take it to the snootiest highbrow Porsche Concourse event. I'd register it as a factory aero kit car. So I, I'd do whatever it, to make sure it got special parking in the 996 category okay, so, if there even is one. So with your experience with having some of the most amazing GT cars that have come through North America and you brought those there is the 
can it be fun with the best looking, most amazing car like that sold yesterday or that you sold a month ago, the GT3 RS that's just the most, or is that kind of boring and annoying because you just don't want anyone to scratch your car? Yeah, that's that's a that's a long, <laughs> long road to go down. <laughs> I I love going to those shows to see the stuff that I'm never going to see. I don't want to. I'm I'm deathly afraid of becoming so renowned in the GT3 world that somebody invites me to be a Concord yeah. judge because my pride will say, oh man, that's awesome. I'm going to go do that. But it rebels against everything in me as a car guy that is picking apart a car. Like literally you are judging a car. Car shouldn't be judged. And I'm going to pick apart its flaws and go, well, that that lip spoiler is a two piece from a GT3 RS, not the one piece from a GT3. And I'm like, who freaking cares? Right. Did you enjoy well, driving that, it? That's that makes total sense. That answers it for me. Where it's just better to be a genuine person that says, "Look, we all get up every day and put our pants on one leg at a time." You <laughs> oh, happen to have put more my pants on and make gold records. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More cowbell. Um, you can just jump to the front of the line and have the biggest wallet and buy the best car, or, and maybe those are great people. I'm not not disparaging people that have that have a fleet of cars, but it's the, it's the, that that's the part of that where the community would come alive. If people were, had a general sense of humility about, Hey, let me tell you why I like this. And I'm not better because I have this or that, but I, I can see how the male ego and female ego can just become, it can become a, yeah, a, uh, it, it, okay. So pissing that, match. that is the best segue ever for, for this question. You couldn't have set me up any better if you had been paid to, the enjoyment of a car should not be dictated by its value, as one can derive the same enjoyment from a $10,000 car as from a $100,000 car. That, and I strongly believe that people who lose money on cars enjoy mo- ugh, enjoy them more than those who make money on them, yep. or at least attempt to make money. Fight me on that. I know somebody will. With that said, we can't ignore the fact that if your dad had gotten a 993 turbo per his wishes instead of the 996. <laughs> it would be worth about 10 times more oh, Dad, than the couldn't you made one more call? Couldn't you have sped that legal proceeding up a couple of months or just said, hey, I'm pretty sure this model is being replaced for the whole reason of this, of this matter. I'm pretty sure the inventory is going to drop off. I mean, the 993 unit numbers are, it's like, it's 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 what couple thousand the, in total was it sixty thousand nine nine threes in total were made? Yeah, I mean it's obscene. So, hey, the uh, the well is drying up. Yeah, no, it's a great point, and it's it's. Uh, so hey. you, so my question was, do you ever think about that? I sure, think you do. Of course, <laughs> who doesn't want a nine nine three turbo? Let's be honest. <laughs> but I don't have a you know if you've got a fl- if you've got a garage full of them, Jerry Seinfeld, God bless him, God bless your humor and and balance sheet, great. But hey, next era, a little more modern, and it's it's got its own story. And yeah. you you made me think of something too when you were talking about a car's value. I I did a lot of the driving early on in this car, and the other driving I did was an Evolvo 240, not a D, a 240 station wagon, and that thing gave me a lot of fun memories with my buddies driving on dirt roads doing burnouts and and <laughs> flipping the car around a very uh 
ill-powered car. <laughs> but yeah, you can make some great memories. You and can't s- break it. No. My uh, you can wrap it around a tree. Vic. Yeah. You can wrap it around a tree. I did it. I yeah 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 yeah. yeah. We're bad weight weight dispersion on that car. Yeah. All right, Nate. Thank you. Thank you for being on. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Or nowhere, can't they? nowhere. They can't. But I, I can. I'll, <laughs> I'll figure it I'll, right if, now. If you want to talk about the nine nine six, message right me. Doug, filter yeah. offers or Frank Comar at Kings. Oh oh oh. We have to. We have to check the poll. All right. Uh, Arnie's Arnie in response to the poll, Arnie Toman said, make it worse. I don't know how you do that other than maybe cannonball it. Take the glass off the, okay. The The poll. Let me see if I can figure out how to do this. Cannonball. Oh, it's getting closer. Hang on. Could we cannonball it to make it worse? I mean, but you need a, that might need it. Make it better. It'd be, it'd be more famous then. Uh, what what class of cannonball could that fit into? Uh, There's nothing for it. 47% say restore it. 53% say leave it. Ooh. Well, fi- the, the leave it's winning for, Man, for the time I, being. I thought it, <laughs> I didn't think it'd be that close. All right. It is time for our props and flops. Thank you again, Nate, for, for being here. Our flop of the week is thanks to Porsche. <laughs> I love Porsche cars, the company, and we've had our ups and downs. The Porsche design store, don't even get me started. Somebody sent me a link this week to their fragrances, their whole fragrance section. Seriously, fragrances? What are they going to do next? Porsche cigars, Porsche nail clippers? Anyway, a a bottle of Porsche design aftershave is $58. $58. Wow. That's asinine. I don't shave. Stocking stuffer? You can answer. You shave. How much does a normal bottle of aftershave cost? A, a thing of good lotion will last you two months for a couple, you know, not much at Target. Ten mm. bucks? Yeah. Okay. So six X. All right. So for 60 bucks, that stuff like should make me a better driver. I don't know. Maybe have octane booster on it or something. Smell like burning oil. Anyway, so that that's Porsche trying trying to boost their stock. So yeah, the whole branding of hats and bags and bikes and that's uh, fine. Stick, I mean, okay, I, I I'll confess, I have a Porsche design okay, good. bag, okay. but. But aftershave? Come on. Yeah, that's a little much. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. you're right. Uh, Prop of the week, and I'm going to kick you out of the chair for this one. Prop of the week is a person. It is Bailey Walton. Bailey, get over here. Come on. Bailey is a local car guy, a friend. Uh, Man, if, if... if Mark Spence is the C4 king of the Midwest, you're the 944 oh. sultan of the world. Oh, wow. You have owned so many 944s. Yes. Replaced a lot of timing belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've owned maybe the world's worst 360 manual coupe, but you've enjoyed it more than anyone. You put a oh, Christmas yeah. tree on it, straight mm-hmm. piped it. <laughs> Bailey is a true car guy. But he's leaving us. Yes. Bailey, where are you going? I am going to Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Why? Uh, my girlfriend got a, got a great job down there. So, hey, we're still young. It's an opportunity. Let's take it. All right. So you have up like you had like seven 944s. How many cars are you taking with you and what are they? I am taking one 944 S2. It's a pretty good Ooh. car. And my Volvo station wagon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seems yeah. to be a theme here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How's 
you don't really need the station wagon down there in the snow, but no, it'll be cool. we're we're gonna sell it once we get down there. We just gotta uh, bring our dog and two cats, and they don't like uh, the box truck. So. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Nice. Yeah. You think you'll ever come back? Yeah, I like Good. it up here, but uh, <laughs> I haven't been out of the house back. much, so I'll see what it's like down there. We'll give it awesome. a try. Do you have any job prospects lined up there, or what do you want to do when you get there? I have no clue. No clue. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. I mean, I flip cars up here a little bit, so I'm going to try my hand at that down there. And um, I'm excited about the cars having a lot less rust up here. Yep. So yep. we'll see yeah. how that goes. You have to send some back up our way. Hey, I'm game. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I we've got a group here to celebrate that not this many people usually show up for the podcast. You probably <laughs> figured out they're here for you, not yeah. me. Um, so we're, we're going to have a little celebration, but, um, if this isn't a cheesy gift, uh, I'm going to give you a keep your woman, but switch car shirt oh. because you are the king of switching cars, but yes. you are doing a move to keep your woman. I am. Yeah. That is very good. You're moving for her. You're selling off all your cars. I know you'll replace them, but <laughs> you, you've totally earned that. So, Thank you. um, Bailey, we love you. We're going to miss you. We hope you come back soon. Thank you. I don't know if it's the bourbon or saying goodbye to you, but I'm getting a little emotional. Oh. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap this up. So uh, Bailey, thanks for thanks for being around and bringing yeah. some spice to the uh, to the Cleveland car community. I hope oh, you do yeah. the same for Dallas. And if anyone's watching from Dallas, look Bailey up. Uh, hey. What's your Instagram handle? Um, not Law Three Sixty. It's my last name backwards. N O T L A W Three Sixty. Gotcha. That would help if they knew what your last name was, which yes. is Walton. Walton. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, Bailey. You're awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, Nate, for being on. Um, thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you for watching. Thank you to our sponsors, GT Vault, BoxCast, SwitchCars, Celebrity Machines, and Stephen Holm Woodworking, who made our awesome desk, and our po producer and call screener, Ethan Huffnagel. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. with a very special Christmas episode. And we'll look forward to answering your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life. almost made me cry. Oh. <laughs>